The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Yeah. No, no thanks. Yeah. Don't watch X Factor. Yeah, so um, I let him down and I, I could tell that he was a little bit disappointed. He was a little bit uh, saddened by the fact that I wasn't uh, a rapper. And uh, in truth, I felt a bit disappointed too. Um, I would have loved to have said to him, yes, uh, I am a rapper. In fact, uh, wouldn't it have been cool if I said, no, I'm not just a rapper, but I'm a, uh, I've got albums out. Uh, you can go and uh, check them out on YouTube or uh, you can download them on Spotify. Um, uh, what if uh, I said to him, actually, I'm not just an, uh, a rap artist, but I've won Grammy Awards. Um, I'm, I'm a rapper uh, that I'm well known. People should, actually, you should have uh, known who I was as soon as I walked in. Um, but it's not true. I would have loved that to have been true. But often, often, people's perception of what we've done, of what we've achieved, changes what they think of us. Have you ever thought, like, if only I could have uh, achieved that promotion? If only I could have got that qualification? If only I was a multi-platinum selling rapper? Um, if only I'd done that, perhaps then I would have received the clamour, the affection, or the acceptance of others. You see, the world judges us so often by what we have done, what we have achieved, by our accomplishments or by our successes. But it's backwards thinking and backwards theology. When Samuel went to anoint David to be the king to succeed Saul, the first, his eldest brother came out and, and Samuel was like, surely this is the one. He looked the part. He had broad shoulders. He, he carried himself like a king should look like. Um, but the Lord said to Samuel, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When people feel acceptance... That's something that, you know, perhaps everyone is looking for. And it's when we feel accepted that we find our significance. But it's, it's backwards thinking. The world looks at what we've accomplished and what we've done in order to accept them as someone of value or of worth. But God is different. Fortunately, thankfully, God accepts us and loves us regardless of what we've achieved, regardless of what we have done. You may be thinking, if only I could have that house, if only I could have that job, 
If people saw me with that talent or that ability, then they would think I was great, I was good, I was lovely. God thinks you're good, you're great, you're lovely. He cares for you, he loves you, regardless of what you have done. And we need to get this the right way round. This morning, we're continuing, it's the final part of our series on the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians is kind of split into two parts. You have the first three chapters that talks about who we are in Christ. And the second three chapters talks about, therefore, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to live now we have been changed and transformed? So the first section we're going to look at this morning is actually, um, I've called it blessings in and blessings out. And I want us to think about what it is that we are being poured into our lives and what is it that therefore we're giving to others. I want to just touch on the beginning of Ephesians because it's really important that we build up and understand what it is that Christ has done for us. It says in uh, Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 7, hopefully it comes up. Let's just run through this very quickly. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful words. It says this part of of, uh, Ephesians is actually more like a poem when it was written. Uh, by Paul. Um, But in those words, we learn these simple things. We learn that we're united with Christ. We learn that we've been made holy and without fault. We learn that we're adopted into God's family, that we belong to Christ. Grace has been poured out, that we've been forgiven, and our freedom has been purchased. All this and much more, if you continue reading the chapter, are the spiritual blessings that we have received because we belong to Jesus Christ. And there's a sense that as Paul is writing this letter, he first wants to underline, he first wants to remind uh, the, the, the people of Ephesus that this is who you are. This is who I've made you to be. The first place for us all as we walk in our relationship with God, is to know who we are in him. It's to know our value in him. It's to know that we are accepted by him. And then we can then live a life on a trajectory of doing good, of being a success. You know, we are here, we're here to live lives of success. We are here to live lives of significance. We have been called to bear much fruit and live a life of meaning. But we don't do that in order to feel accepted. That flows from God's great love poured out on us. 
You know, without God's love, we can't love others. It says in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. You can't love unless you've received God's love in your life. The greatest commandment to love God and to love our neighbour, I believe it's in that order for a distinct purpose. Because it's once we've encountered and acknowledged the love of God that we are given the ability through God to love our neighbour. If you've ever been thinking, I'm struggling with my neighbour at the moment, I don't know how to love them, I don't know how to reach out to them, they're always talking to me about our fence that's falling down, or they're always talking to me about the fact that, uh, well, for us, the baby Joshua's making a noise in the middle of the night. Um, But when we love God, when we have relation with God, he gives us supernatural ability to love others. It flows in that way. You know, there's a calling in the Bible for us to deny ourselves, to die to self. And you can't prefer others, elevate others, unless you've chosen to learn to die to self. To truly, as the Bible calls us, prefer others. There is a decision that is made by the help of God to die to self, to no longer live for the accolade of success, but choose to live in humility in the knowledge of our value and love that comes from God. When you die to self, you're accepting everything that Christ has done for you and living in the the joy and the freedom of that. And then you're able to prefer, elevate and lift up others. And in the same way, Without receiving God's blessings, we can't bless others. We need God's blessings to be poured in so they can overflow out to our neighbours, our friends, our family, the strangers that we meet. Apart from him, the Bible says, we can do nothing. And the example of Jesus is one who was connected to the Father and constantly receiving the knowledge of the Father, constantly being reminded of who he is in the Father, and knowing that he was loved by the Father, so he was able to live a life where he truly preferred others and blessed others. We have to find that way of receiving in what God has for us, so we can pour it out for others. I think the challenge of life is that life demands of us to give out to others. It demands of us to uh, put other people first at times. Life is very hard if you only live for yourself because your relationships will be broken and uh, will struggle because of it. But if you choose to prefer others and love others... um, Life can go well for you. The trouble that people have is that they're busy trying, striving, trying to do their best, trying to raise their children, trying to to love their parents, but they're not doing it out of the, the pouring in that God wants to do for each and every one of us. And there is a balance for us to find. We're not called just to receive God's blessings and not let them flow out from us. Now we are his, 
now that we're united with him, now that we belong to him, it's not just for us to keep, but it's to let Jesus flow out through us. People that are busy striving, struggling, working, pouring out effort and effort without having God's blessing poured in. That's what leads to burnout. That's what leads to, um, I don't know, pushing people away from yourself. In truth, Christ gave his life for you so that he could give his life to you so that he could live his life through you. As he calls us to live differently, as he calls us to be fruitful, whatever he's called you to do, and it may well be for someone here, God's called you to be a rapper, and that's good if you're doing it for him. But you don't do it for the accolade of people. You do it for the glory of God. You do it with Jesus flowing through you. Finding the right balance of input into your life and output. If you're here this morning and you're feeling weary, if you're here this morning and you're struggling and you think, I know that I've got to do all these things for God and I'm trying to do it for him, but I'm feeling tired, there's probably uh, an imbalance in the input and pouring in that God wants to do in your life, allowing the output to flow, the blessings to flow through. This morning, we're going we're gonna to jump in, in, in to a few different segments of Scripture that I believe is going to help us. It's not all chronological, um, so sorry about that, but I'm, I think it will help us understand um, some of what uh, Paul was trying to say in the book of Ephesians. So we're going to read from uh, chapter 4, and if I remind you, I said earlier that the last three chapters, so four to six, are the chapters about how you live it out now that we've received what God has for us. So we're going to read from Ephesians 4, 21 to 24. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off the, your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. There's a picture that Paul is creating here where he's talking about living in a new way. And it's like putting on a new set of clothes, a new nature that you now where that changes. It does change how you physically uh, might look. Uh, clothing would do that, but he's actually talking about your nature. He's talking about the inside. He's talking about your, your heart being transformed, but it's like putting on something new. And that new nature means you live differently. It means there are actions that flow out of the relationship you have with Jesus. And these are the things that actually become a blessing to others. So there are a number of things, if you continue to read chapter 4, where Paul begins to say, do not do this and do not do that. I'm going to list a few of them. But he also tells us kind of how you are to live differently. So he goes on to say, so do not go on lying to other people. 
Do not uh, speak falsehood to others, but speak truth. When you speak truth, it is a great blessing to the people around you. Now, there is truth in love, or there's just cold, hard truth. But the truth is a blessing when it's shared in love. Paul writes, don't be angry anymore, but rather be a bringer of peace. Be a peacemaker. He's saying, don't go stealing or thieving from others, but learn to be a generous person. Can you not see how all these things, formally, it's about you. It's about living for yourself and making a a way for yourself. But the new nature, it's all about how you treat others. It's all about how you bless others and how people experience you as a person. Paul writes, don't go gossiping, but learn to encourage others. Don't go seeking revenge for the people that have hurt you or wounded you, but forgive. And there's freedom that comes in forgiveness for the person that has wounded you. They may not even realise it, but there's a freedom that is coming to them. Paul also writes about sexual immorality and says, uh, don't live in promiscuity. And we, can, we know how damaging that is to relationships and to people. And promiscuity itself is, is trying to meet your own needs, um, uh, sexual needs, and, and push away uh, others that you've been called to a life of self-control. So uh, Paul's writing, you've been called to self-control. And you may not think that self-control is something that is a blessing to others, but it truly is. Because the way that you live sexually, the way that you think about others, the way that you operate those who are married or those who are single, does affect the people around you. A life of self-control is a blessing to those that you love, to those that um, you are called to live alongside. So when we begin to live in the fullness of God's blessing, this new nature we receive enables us to live in a completely new way. But we are called to continue living in it. You may find that there are times where you're like, oh, I'm having a good day. Um, I'm able to be really patient with that person. It's difficult. Or I'm able to to say something loving to someone who I know is struggling. Um, But there are other times where I'm finding that difficult, where the patience has run out where I'm struggling with that person. I know that they're, they are in deep need and struggle, but I don't feel I've got the time, I don't feel I've got the energy required to walk with them through it or to run with them through it. And um, in order for us to be able to live that way, and that is the way that Christ is calling us to live, where that balance of input has to be right. The second point this morning is staying blessed. And it's maintaining a a lifestyle where you continually receive that input. There's a sustaining that is uh, enabled for us to keep receiving from God. You know, I believe that when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, those first three chapters, he wasn't saying things that perhaps they didn't know. He wasn't saying completely new things that they're now united with Christ. These were things that they knew about. 
But Paul was busy reminding them of their position. He was busy telling them afresh, telling them anew, this is who you are and this is what we believe as disciples of Christ. This is what God has done for you. And it's important for us to remind ourselves, even this morning as we've been singing, so many of the words are reminders, this is what God has done for me. This is the freedom that he's won for me. This is the victory that we now have in Christ Jesus. These things are necessary for us to be reminded of God's goodness. And that enables God to input, to top us up, to sustain us, to enable us to remain in that position of blessing so the blessing can then pour out to others. One of the key things that I, uh, I found in Ephesians is being filled with the Spirit. We're going to read in a moment from Ephesians 5. Um, I'm gonna, uh, to be honest with you, last night was a difficult night in the Horner household. Um, Joshua's not quite 100%. Uh, Kizzy had popped out for a friend's birthday party. Um, so I was at home and I kind of wanted to, you know, uh, run over some of my notes again, read a bit more scripture, um, just kind of wind down and be prepared for this morning. Um, and Joshua had different ideas. Uh, he was up and crying, and even this morning it kind of continued. He's not, he's not great. And, and you're losing patience, and you're like, I just wanted to go to bed. And you're like, do I just leave him crying so I can go to bed because he's not back yet? I need my sleep, and all this is going through your, your mind. But in truth, even this morning, when we came uh, to the prayer meeting, I wasn't in there for long, um, but uh, Jonathan began singing a song, um, uh, uh, Let Your Living Water uh, Flood Over My Soul, are those the words? Um, it's a lovely song, and fortunately it's a song that I kind of know the words to as well. Um, and we just began singing that together. And my point here is about how do we maintain uh, God's blessing? And there's a secret in Ephesians. It's not a secret that you don't know about necessarily, but it's singing. Singing draws God's presence and draws God's blessing. Let's read from Ephesians 5, 15. I'll just take a sip beforehand. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Singing is good for us. A few weeks back, um, when we were taking uh, communion, I mentioned that Jesus and the disciples sang together. They sang a hymn. And I don't know the difference between um, perhaps singing psalms or hymns or spiritual songs and whether we clump them all together. But there is something, there's a secret here in singing. It says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with God's goodness, God's love, and the fruit of the Spirit. And if you are feeling 
that you are empty, if you're feeling that you're, you're, you're not full with the Holy Spirit, if you're feeling that you're, you're weary or struggling, a simple thing is to start singing to God. A simple thing is to start worshipping him in, uh, in song. Now, I'm not the greatest singer, um, and I'm sure some of you think, well, I'm not a good singer. Um, I, don't wanna, uh, I don't think even God enjoys my voice. Um, but I can assure you that he does. And there's, a, there's something that happens when you begin to sing that draws God's presence, that draws his goodness. And, and music itself is such a powerful thing um, that can evoke emotion, evoke kind of... Uh, so many different things, and, and it's a beautiful thing as well, something that God created for us. As we sing, we draw the Holy Spirit. As we sing and give thanks to God, we receive his blessings afresh and anew. It's a gift to us to be able to sing unto God. And this is um, about our continual uh, input, continual allowing God to uh, pour into us. So it's not something you just do on a Sunday morning, though it's good to be in the house, and it is a blessing. And when we sing together, God does come and meet with us and fills us up afresh. But this is also for you to be doing at home. It's for you to be doing in the car, Um, perhaps not on the train out loud, um, but singing in your heart. Um, And in doing so, God is pouring in God is topping you up. God is filling you afresh. Notice that in Ephesians 5, it's, it's not you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, though I believe that we have been when uh, we are saved. But there's a, there's a constant, go and be filled afresh. Go and receive again. Go unto God and say, Lord, uh, give me your spirit because I want to be filled afresh. We worship uh, in singing, in church, and we can worship at home by giving thanks. But worship itself is, is more than just singing. But out of the flow of receiving, it enables us to worship God in other places. I want to jump out of Ephesians briefly and just read this from Luke chapter 6. It should come up. Do not judge others or you will not and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, I know that often people use this scripture of Jesus speaking, uh, talking about financial giving. Um, And certainly, it includes financial giving. But I believe that it's more than that, that it includes our worship to God. And it includes our worship to God when we seek to bless others. When we give to God whether it is financially or your time, whether it's your effort or your sacrifice, when you're giving it um, flowing with him or through the Holy Spirit, you're pouring out unto God or unto others. The promise here is that God will restore more 
to you. A greater amount than you have given, God pours into your life. I love this this idea that um, he returns to you in full and then kind of presses it down so he can fit more in. It's like, uh, I don't know, you're trying to push something. Joshua's playing with uh, this little packet of of, uh, sweets yesterday and putting them everywhere. Um, And we were trying to put them back in again. Um, and, And to be honest, he kept losing them. But there's a sense that you'd squeeze more in that was in the packet in the first place as you press it down. And then it says that it then pours out, overflows out onto your lap. When we give to God our best, when we give to God everything that we have, he restores that to us and the promise is that more is given. It's running over into our laps and worship enables us to live in the overflow of blessing. There is power in singing. There's power when we connect with God. But when we worship him, he wants to give us much more back of his blessing into our lives. If it's worship, our acts of service, our acts of love, if it's worship to God, God will always restore to us. God is no man's debtor. Let our blessing of others be the overflow of true, spirit-filled worship of our God. This lifestyle is, leads to a life of blessing. God's desire, I want to repeat this, God's desire is that we live lives of success. God's desire is that you make a difference where he's called you. God's desire is that you are fruitful in the workplace, in your family, in your neighbourhood, in the things that he has called you to do. For us to be fruitful, you know, in John 15, it talks about remaining in the vine, remaining in Christ. We need the input that flows from God so it can flow unto others. And that leads to a life of blessing. How do we let our lives shine for Jesus? How do we enable that that new nature that we've been given by God to impact the lives around us? There are a number of clues in Ephesians, and I want to read another section where we're jumping back. Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, 
the church. Paul is writing that there is a process of maturing and growing that is to take place in our lives. If you want to mature in your faith, there is a there's an allowance that you have to make, the time, the space, the God to pour into our lives. There is the time and the space given to coming to church so uh, the body of Christ can bless you and the, the roles that have been given to people, that will be blessing you also as you build in unity amongst brothers and sisters. But there's a, there's a, a key theme here that I feel... It, um, that we find written twice here is that as we mature is that we may measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. It's a high place, the full and complete standard of Christ. And as we grow, it says in verse 15, that we be made every more and more like Christ, the head of the church. It's a quite a scary calling um, we know that we've been made like Christ, but there's a standard, there's uh, a position that he's calling us up and into. And it flows out of putting on that new nature. But it's also about how we give ourselves to God to allow him to change us, to renew us. We are called to become like Christ. For us to live lives of meaning, lives that make a difference, we must be like Christ. The more that you allow God to change you, to mould you, to shape you, the more that you can become like Jesus. In Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An aroma, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Be imitators of God. Measure up to the standard of Christ. Become like Jesus. Notice Jesus gave himself for others. When, we, when he walked in love, it meant he preferred others. It meant that he laid down his life for others. How close are we living like Christ is borne out by the way in which we treat other people. You see it so much more clearly, and you know yourself how you really treat others. You know yourself whether you really give time for people that need time, whether you really uh, are willing to love someone who you know is struggling and walking through difficult. You alone know whether you give up uh, the things that you desire or your pleasures on the behalf of others. But I also know that none of us have gone to the great lengths that Christ has gone to for us. Christ gave himself to elevate us. We were in the pit. We were separated from God. But Jesus died so that we would be resurrected with him. He would lift us up. Jesus was about elevating others. For you to bless the people around you, we go about elevating others. Um, 
a phrase that Colin once mentioned to me that I remember is he wants to pour concrete into other people's pedestals. Is that, have I said that right? That's the one, that's the line. So you, you are building other people up. That's what Jesus did. He lifted us up. And in this book of Ephesians, uh, Paul writes about this, about that relationship, but particularly looking at the situation of a marriage. We're going to read from Ephesians 5 again, 21 to 27. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle, or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. These are, uh, are sometimes difficult words. Obviously, they're often shared at uh, uh, marriages as well. But notice, notice this. Both roles, both wife and husband, are seeking to elevate the other, are seeking to prefer the other. As the wife submits, they are honouring the husband. As the husband loves his wife, as Christ loves the church, we see again the picture of Christ dying for the church and the call of a husband to be willing to die in order to see his wife elevated. This picture that we find for the church itself, that, that Christ is has come that we would be without spot or wrinkle. It reminds us again of the wonderful standard that we are called to, the maturing and the growing that we are being called into. And this, these instructions that we find here, they're not a, a just be nice to everyone. They are give your absolute best. They are give all that you have in order to make a difference to the people that you do life with. He calls us to a life of blessing. Band, you can come back. Flowing from a life, being in God's presence, is a life blessing others. He has loved us so we might love others. He has forgiven us so we might forgive others. He has blessed us so we may flow in his blessing, elevating others, walking with people, having relationships that are life-giving. You know, there are two kinds of people I find. There are people that suck energy and there are people that give energy. Life. As followers of Christ, we are called to give life to those around us. 
You understand why people who are separated from Jesus, struggling with life, they're not receiving God's blessings. They don't know that there is a fountain of blessing for them to receive that enables them to be be a person that pours out on behalf of others. I wonder if we're going to stand. We're going to um, continue to take... Yeah, please, please stand, please stand. We're going to continue to seek to take more time in responding to uh, the message, to responding to God. I don't know what God has been saying to you this morning. I don't know what he has been revealing to you about your own life. I don't know what he's saying to you about your own relationships or whether you're spending time receiving from God, allowing God to pour into your life so you therefore are able to pour out. I was reminded of Psalm 23, where the psalmist writes, You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. Or it says, my cup runneth over. In the New Living, it says, it kind of gives you context to what it is that is overflowing. It says, my cup overflows with blessings. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling like uh, you want a refreshing this morning, if you're feeling like, you know what? It says in Scripture that Christ has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. But I don't feel like I've received them. God wants to meet with you this morning. I want to remind you, as we said earlier, singing draws God's presence. Singing draws God's blessing to our lives. So we're going to sing and then we're going to pray uh, following this song.